0: Welcome to the Confident Man Podcast. Empowering men with the confidence they need to live their adventure. Now, here is your host, David Maxwell.
1: All right, guys. Welcome to the Confident Man Podcast. I'm glad you're here. This week, it is part two of our interview with Jody Dice. And his story, I know in the first one, resonated with a lot of people. It really helped them to see how you can go from one area to another, and how those changes actually make you a better person. Jody shared some of his story with us. This week, he's going to talk more about what that looked like for him, lessons he had to learn, the things he did good, the things he didn't do so well. And and I think that's a real honest and transparent time, and hopefully it'll encourage you. So let's join our interview with Jody in progress. What were you say, as you look back, are some of the, let's look at the the positive side, as you grew, what are some of the things you think that helped you grow in that? Some of the good things you did at the time, you didn't even realize this is going to help me.
2: Yeah. um, Several things along the way that I started seeing was um, a positive thing for me was learning how to uh, financial dependency and financial freedom. That's something that I don't think most people really considered. Uh, I was making really good money in the dental business. And in fact, when we become full-time missionaries was offered six figures to come run a local dental lab where we live now. And uh, that's how you know what your calling is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The temptation hits. I'm like a third of
2: that now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to choose the the lesser paycheck. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, no, we started back whenever um, we had a lot of debt, we had a lot of financial issues because of making good money and crashing and falling out. Yeah. That, um, the dental business, I did make good money that we started paying off debt. We started eliminating debt. Uh, I have a very frugal wife. I love that about her. And because of that, the only debt we have is our home right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: we're so far right side up in net. It, and it's only because of this lady. Yeah. Um, I mean she's she's a money marketer uh, not a money marketer but she's yeah. she's money on, all about the money. I jokingly say that she still has four pennies of the first nickel she ever made, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yep. Um but uh, that was a thing that we learned because then once you got into this, I realized, you know what, I travel more than I've ever traveled in my life. I've flown, mm-hmm. I'm flying to some of the most beautiful places in the United States. We're able to take time when we're there to enjoy the local beauty while we're working. Um, I'm able to meet and help people. And money's never been an option now. It's never been mm-hmm. an issue. It's, it's been always kind of taking care of that. We need money to do what we do, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. But um, it's not like a center of focus. So a positive thing to that was learning how to uh, scale down a little bit, be satisfied with what you have and yeah. and enjoy life. And uh, other thing is, is uh, another positive out of this is we've got something that my wife and I do together. Now mm. um, the school assembly youth pastor, and she always just kind of sat in the corner. She would be there for students to talk to yeah. um, help with some of the, logistics or paperwork but it was my calling not she, she would always mm-hmm. say that's your calling um, youth alive not much better she was she would take care of the logistics setting up school assembly stuff whenever we would get to do them but other than that it was basically set in the corner now, here she is training to be an analyst and case managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she works in the opera- in the um, operations center when stings are going on, totally different from a whole field area that I'm working. And yeah. so when she's doing those things over there, we're traveling together. We're, we're doing ministry together. Uh, I just rode eight and a half hours with her in Kentucky, you know, that I get to travel with my wife I and mean, we get to yeah. talk, we get to, uh, ride together. I get to be told how to driven drive and you know so it's good. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, and the other part is the one thing about youth ministry and youth alive, I think I I lo- I genuinely love students. I genuinely yeah. love teenagers. Yeah. Uh, can they push your buttons? Yes they can. Uh do they know it all once they hit 13, 14, 15 years old. Yes they do. Yeah. Um but at the same time, um, because of that genuine love I have for teenagers has driven me to help find those because our area that if I have an area of expertise, it would be looking for minors that are exploited now. Yeah. And um I see I see a kid in my youth group. I, I see my own kids. I see that's what I see when I'm out there looking. Mm-hmm. I see Someone that if they would have been in my youth group, maybe they would have known love.
0: Yeah. Truly. Yeah.
2: And been told the things that, that would have kept them from this lifestyle. Yeah. And since they weren't, then I'm going to be the youth pastor, if you will, now that's out looking for them. I'm going to go find them. And and they might not choose the freedom. They might walk away from it, but they can never say that there was not someone that showed them genuine love and care and offered them a way out. Yeah. And at any time that their mind may change and want out that they'll know that there's someone out there that would, that would give them out.
0: Yeah and, yeah.
2: and I would say of all the years of volunteer youth ministry and youth alive, that's probably been the best preparation for being able to understand and see kids the way we do. And it's also hurt too, because I can look back through all my years of ministry and see the kids that fell through the cracks that, I never heard of again that I'm wondering now with what yeah. I do is this where they wound up, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: What are some of the things that, okay, I wish I had done this earlier. I wish I had started this earlier. What are some of the things that as you look back, cause we all do, you say, okay, what were some of the negatives that I did that it it kind of forced me to take the long way instead of the short way?
2: Um, (laughs) Submission to authority. How about that one? That was a tough
0: one.
2: I think that was because I've had to do so much on my own. I I fault my dad for nothing. I love my dad. My dad's given my family and I a, a, a good home he, was, he worked offshore, though, for most of my life. He drove an 18-wheeler prior to that, and then he went offshore. So half the year, my dad's not in my life. He's somewhere yeah. else. And at 14 years old, I'm thrust into having to be the, the dad of our house. I'm having to help my brother. I have to teach my brother how to change a tire. I have to teach my brother how to fix his brakes. I have to teach my brother how to clean a deer. I mean, stuff yeah. like that, because my dad was offshore. And he's making us a living. Uh, He's just, he was, you know, uh, just a country boy from South Mississippi with no degree or diploma, uh, you know, and he's doing what he's got to do to supply for his family. But I felt like I was thrust into early manhood when I really didn't want it. I still want to be the teenager. I didn't want to uh, have my brother depend on me for everything. You know, that's what dad's for. Yeah. And stuff like that. But now I look back, um, that process put me into a place that, I, then I feel like if anyone can do it, I can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. If a
2: man made it, I can fix it.
0: Yeah. If,
2: if it can be built, I can build it. And so I had to start developing this manly, macho. Um, I don't need to be told what to do because I've had to do it on my own since you know early yeah. teens, and and I can survive it. And so. I had a lot of conflict with a lot of bosses in my life. <laughs> you know? And so uh, and now in this line of work, there's chain of commands because mm-hmm. I'm working with law enforcement. I'm working with prosecutors. I'm working with um, advocates. I'm working with, um, uh, you know, politicians and stuff. And so there's a chain of command. You just don't jump out there and do something you, you want to do. You have to honor the authority that's over your yeah. place learned that in ministry probably better than any secular job. Um mm-hmm. uh, Steve. Steve with the dental lab was a, a very good man that that taught honored the authority. Uh, I'll never forget one time I, I was the supervisor of the dental denture and partial department. And I had uh 12 employees that I was responsible for. And Steve came in and uh he said, hey, I need the men's restroom clean. I said no problem. And so I told one of my guys, hey, I need y'all to go back and clean the bathroom. And uh, he heard me give the order. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came back and he said, did I tell them to go clean the bathroom or did I tell you I need the men's bathroom clean? And I was like, I'm supervisor. I'm I'm in charge. He said, you come with me. I was like, all right. (laughs) So we go to the bathroom. And he's putting on rubber gloves and getting out the cleaner to clean the urinals and the toilets. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to let this guy clean these things. He's like a dad to me. So I'm suiting up to go do it. And he goes, nope, you're going to stand here and watch me do it. And don't you say a word, you just watch. And so I had to watch this man get down on his hands and knees, scrub the toilet, scrub the urinals. He was a clean freak anyway. So when you cleaned, you cleaned. It wasn't like pass them off and run and we got done cleaning, uh, or he got done cleaning, and I'm in there, uh, he turned around as he's pulling his gloves off, you know, and throwing them in the garbage, he says, he said, uh, don't ever think if I tell you to do something, it isn't something I'd do myself, Hmm. and uh, yes, sir. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, lesson
2: learned. Yeah, so that, from that moment on, you know, I knew then that, you know, you do what you, you got to do, but, and then the other was ministry, you know, you have to learn to submit to authority. We went through some tough times in ministry and uh, there were some things that we went through that was of my making. There was other ones that wasn't of my making, Mm -hmm. but there was authority issues that were, were in place. And uh, ultimately you just have to say, you know what, this is your, your ministry, your calling, you know, you're the one that's got to answer for it, not me. Yeah. That's what you say do. That's what we're going to do. And because of that, I feel like that's why I've got a good team of people that try to do that for me. They try to honor my mm-hmm. calling, you know, that work under us now and our nonprofit.
1: Well, so and that's, that's helped y'all as far as like, I know you've told me that there are some groups who do human trafficking work that they're not under any authority. They just kind of do it on their own. And law enforcement kind of stays away from them, don't they? Isn't that true?
2: Yeah, uh, there's a lot that do that. Um, we've seen several that either get on the news and start promoting an op that's going on and that we're here helping fight. And they're basically partnering with a, with a, a main organization or task force. Uh, you don't get up and gloat about what you're doing. Uh, in fact, we even ask law enforcement, don't include us in the press conference till we're gone. You know, mm-hmm. give us uh, several hours or a day or two to be on the road before you even release the press release on it. Yeah, um, uh, There's there safety issues in that. And the other reason is we're not there doing it because we got to have the press release. Yeah, um, We're all self-funded missionaries, but there are organizations out there that, that they'll self-promote uh, or they'll be renegade or vigilante in the way that they do it. And they ruin the cases. They're not helping mm-hmm. the cases. Things they've done is unconstitutional. It can't be admissible in court. And law enforcement just don't want to work with that. another thing is, is they raise tons of money and none of it goes to the fight or very, very, very little goes to the fight because now yeah. they've got to pay for all their salaries and expenses and all of that. And nothing's actually going in the fight itself. And so, yeah, there'll be more standoff. And a lot of that, that's thats an integrity issue for me. That's, thats mm-hmm. I've always been big about integrity and that's a big issue for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a great thing to learn. And I think it's one of those that, as you look back, you see, okay, this is where I learned that. This is where I learned then. this is how it's helping me today. And that's something I think for a lot of men who are right in the middle of the struggle, they're still working through things. They're like, why is life so hard sometimes? And a lot of times it's because you need some lessons. You know, this is your emotional working out that you're doing um, or you're learning things you didn't learn. So, so yeah, I think that's good.
2: One of my favorite stories in the Bible that I, I like to read, is uh, the life of Joseph, because uh, my name's actually Joseph. I go by Jody, but my legal name's Joseph. And uh, Joseph in Genesis was the kind of guy that, you know, he was his dad's favorite. He knew he had a, a plan for his life because God showed him he had a plan for his life. And you would think that he would walk down this road of, uh, of luxury to get to that plan, but instead God had a different plan for him. Mm-hmm. His brothers betrayed him and threw him in a well, sold him into slavery. (laughs) Ultimately, they wanted to kill him, but one of the brothers pleads for him, and they finally just sell him to a caravan that's going to Egypt, and he's sold into slavery. There he comes into, he's a slave at at a high-ranking Egyptian's uh, house. Uh, His wife takes a liking to him, tries to have an affair with him. He does what's right. Yeah. they believe her word and he gets thrown in prison. <laughs> oh, God, that's a good plan for me, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And, well, he's in prison, but it says that everything he does, every place he was at um, flourished because he honored God and was a man of integrity of where he was at and uh, and then, in prison uh it's, it's a cool story i I love the whole story that you know he could interpret dreams, and then there was the two that came uh, to prison from the king's court, and uh they are uh ones they interpret their dreams one's getting executed, and one's getting released you know, yeah. and yeah, then he's forgotten in prison oh the, so the the saga continues, God has left him in prison now for another three plus years and Uh, And then one day he's called up to Pharaoh's court because he's remembered that he could interpret dreams. And uh, all this process had prepared him because once he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, uh, Pharaoh appointed him governor of Egypt. And there was no one over him except Pharaoh. Yeah. So here's this guy that was betrayed by brothers. Uh, uh, Now the person that threw him in jail works for him. (laughs) And the prison that falls under him, all the agricultural of, of the country falls under him. And uh, it was a process. It was yeah. a road that to ultimately it saved his family and saved the nation of Israel because they were going into a famine. And so God had this plan that it proved faithful for Joseph. Yeah. And because of that, I guess because of the link of my name, I've always seen my life as like that. Yeah, It's always been... What am I learning from this stage? Am I in prison? Because there's a lot of times I feel like I'm in prison. <laughs> I'm being betrayed by brothers sometimes, you know, but, yeah, yeah. you know, other organizations or something. You know, there's always, where am I at in this process, God? You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> but it, it's, it is a cool process when you can see God bumping you along a way. And I don't think Joseph at that time felt like it. In fact, he asked the the guys in prison. I think he was feeling down. He's like, "Hey, don't forget me when you get out of here." Mm-hmm. And he gets forgotten.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. But the know, it's
2: led him to be governor. You know? yeah
1: and and that's why I think I think your story is, is uh, similar in that you started here and you ended up over here and you never would have seen it. And I think a lot of men go through that. Um, where am I going when they're in the midst of it? but they just you know keep doing the right thing. And you'll, you'll get to that place. Let me, before we end, I want to ask real quick, you talked a little bit about you and Wendy um, and kind of y'all's journey. You shared a little bit of that. What are some of the things y'all did as, as your marriage continued that really helped y'all grow as a couple? Uh, to where now you have a much stronger relationship than you did, and it helps with all the stress of everything you do now.
2: We um, There's been multiples in that, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, I can probably be better at it uh, than I am. Uh, but one of the things that we started doing a lot of was uh, the traveling together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we love the Smoky Mountains, so we always look for a reason to go to the mountains just to kind of get away. Uh, the reason I like the mountains is there's no cell service in most of it. Once you get it my phone's done. Uh, yeah. We have a deal that when it's that, I turn my phone off and I give her my phone because mm-hmm. my phone pings all night long. I'm getting text yeah. messages, um, telegram messages, everything that has to do with what we do from all over the country. And so I I just, I just got to turn it off at times, you know, and then get back. Um, I've had to learn um, a little bit about what dating is again, because Mm -hmm. um, I used to love dating her. And then when we got married, we got into the ruts of life and we've had to go back into dating. Um, Then there's, there's like the the working together. Um, I love, I love the fact I like to watch her work. I know that sounds kind of weird, but um I like to watch her when she's in her zone. She gets mad at me because I take these candid pictures <laughs> off her with my phone when she's in it, and she's got this serious look all. The time. <laughs> but that's something I like about it because her mind works totally different than any of ours that's That was one of the things I used to love about her and Angie working together, you yeah, know? yeah. they had this weird language that. Only them two knew, you know, they they
1: knew it. They could, they could communicate without even speaking and would know what each other's thinking.
2: And, uh, but I love that about her, uh, that she could work, uh, that she works that way. I love the travel. Um, we try to be intentional Uh, this year has been kind of a screw year about our travel times, but now we are enjoying being grandparents. And so with four grandkids, um, Life revolves around them. In fact, while we're doing this, the two youngest ones are at my house right now. So mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to come to G Dede's house and Honey's house last night, and so they're still at G and Honey. So yeah, um, those have been some really cool points that we do. Um, you know, there's things that we exercise together. We like to go walk you now uh, mm-hmm. a track. We got a four mile track on the Natchez Trace that we do together. Uh, there are moments that, you know, I'll walk off and leave her or run ahead of her or something other, but it's something about that we're out there doing it together. And yeah. uh, I've been asked, uh, how can you spend this much time with your wife? And I was like, well, there, it has its moments, oh, you yeah. know, uh, naturally, but um a few years ago, I had to do CPR on my wife in my living room because she had had three grand mal seizures back to back because of an abnormality in her brain that none of us knew anything about. And um, that changes my perspective on things.
0: Yeah, yeah, it would. would uh,
2: Walking the road with you and, and Angie uh, changed my perspective on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some fights just not worth fighting. Yeah. There are some hills that it's just not worth dying on that hill. Yeah. But then there's others that I will give everything for that fight. And mm-hmm. that's, um, you know, however many more days, minutes, moments that I get to spend with her, I'm going to fight for those moments, you yeah. know, I'm gonna enjoy those moments. And so that's been a really good part about this. And because of where we're at today and what we do, um, we have the freedom to be together. That I kind of feel sorry for people that have secular jobs because. They don't They don't have that luxury with their spouse. Yeah,
1: yeah that's a good point. In the end, if, if there's a, a, a young guy out there who's maybe married, a couple small kids and he's kind of in the middle of that journey, kind of a young you, uh, what advice would you give to them that maybe you wish someone had said to you? at that time
2: be where you're at right now
1: Hmm.
2: Um, because the most important person that you're going to help or fix is the one that's in front of you right then Um, not the one down the road Um, pay attention and learn from life journaling has been a really good thing Uh, what do I learn from this And, and write it down Mm-hmm. Um, but if I, could, if I could go back and talk to a younger guy like me that, you know, um, you know what? God calls us all to do something.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it might not be vocational ministry. It may be uh, whatever job you're in. We need godly businessmen and women out there that that that's doing good work and funding ministries and things like that. But I would say to the guy right now, um, slow down and enjoy the moment. If you got two young kids, don't sell your vacations. Take them on vacation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go to the beach, go to the mountains, go to the theme parks and enjoy them because um, they're only yours for just a few years. They'll always be yours in your heart. Yeah. But when they grow up and they have a family, um, you're secondary at that point. Yeah. You You have to accept that you're secondary. Yeah. So enjoy that and be able to. Tell that. Tell your kids you love them. Be a man and say you love them and be a man and say you're sorry. Yeah. Um, I love my dad. I only heard my dad one time tell me he was sorry. And I was a grown man and on my own dental lab when that happened. Yeah. I knew my dad was sorry because of the way he changed things, the way mm-hmm. he would change, the way he was treating me. I knew my dad always loved me. Uh, he just would never say it very much. Yeah. Uh, me, my kids know I love them. I tell Mm -hmm. them I love them. Um, I hug them on a regular basis. I want them to know that uh, uh, they mean the world to me. My grandkids the same way. Uh, And then if you don't handle a situation right, or if you are wrong, if you'll be man enough to sit down in front of your kids and say, Hey, I screwed up. Yeah. I overreacted, whatever the case may be. And I'm sorry, that was wrong. Uh, It doesn't justify the action, whatever, but, uh, I just want you to know that uh, I, I wanted you to know that I was wrong. Yeah. And uh, that'll go a long way with, with your kids. And, man, be open. When God opens a door, it might not look like what you thought it was going to look like, but enjoy the ride. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I like that. Enjoy the ride and and be present at the age you're at, the stage you're at. Don't always be looking ahead or looking behind. I think that's good stuff. Well, Jody, thanks for the time. Where can people uh find out about Say Something Free, what you do, and everything like that?
2: Uh you can go to freeinternational.org and say somethingassembly.com and you can learn about free international and the fight that we do there. Uh you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Free International and Say Something Assembly or Say Something School Assembly. I, I have to look at it, but it'll yeah. be easy to see. It's a blue megaphone. And yeah. uh, Then uh, I'm on all the social medias. You can also email me if you have a question about anything. uh, Jody at FreeInternational.org, and I'll I'll answer any question you got. If I don't know the answer, I'll make one up that you might like. Who knows? Yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. And and it's uh, the work they do is great, and I encourage everybody uh, find out more about it. Uh, Love to support them or maybe have them come to your area. Uh, make some connections they're actually branching out with say something opening up some areas to cover more schools to reach more kids to help them uh, fight this fight this epidemic that's kind of taking over uh, with the trafficking so all right well thanks for being on the podcast today jody we'll talk to you later
2: thank you for having me it's been a blast
0: you've been listening to the confident man podcast click subscribe so you don't miss a future episode you can connect with David on Facebook and Instagram at David the Maxwell. Find resources to help you as a man at theconfidentman.me. That's theconfidentman.me.